Hey guys, so I was so uh, concerned with the uh, getting all the content, I forgot to to do a podcast on the uh, fifteen required Supreme Court cases. Now, for the uh, the new test, what they're going to do if they have they have they have given us this list of, of cases, so I'm going to go over those in this in this thing. Um, you can find the list in uh, E class under uh, APU under the uh, exam review materials. If you want to look at them, there's also a document in there, uh, a PDF that goes through and gives a lot more details than I'll do uh, in the limited time I have here to go over these things. But these are the 15 you got to know. You're going to be expected to know these and be able to pull information from these court cases. All right. Now, any other court case they throw on the test, whether it's in the multiple choice section or in the FRQ section where you're having to do the, uh, the uh, comparison, they're going to give you all the details that you need. OK, so, hey, here's the 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 case and it is some random case that we have not talked about or it might be one that we have talked about in, in class, but not gone into great detail about. Uh, but they're going to give you all the facts about it, all the, the holdings and all that kind of stuff. The Supreme Court said, and then they're going to say, OK, compare it somehow to one of those 15 required cases. Uh, and they, they'll probably they'll tell you the case you got to compare it to. So uh, Engel versus Vital. Prayer in school versus Lemon versus Kurtzman, <clears throat> which was another uh, separation of church and state case. So, uh, but they'll give you all the information about Lemon versus Kurtzman that you would need. Okay. Um, and then you'd have to pull from Engel versus Vital on your own from your own knowledge. So here we go. Uh, first one is McCullough versus Maryland. McCullough versus Maryland is a, uh, a case from way back when, 1819 is when it was decided. Maryland hated the, the Bank of the United States and was taxing them to death. McCullough was the check writer president. I'm not exactly sure what he was uh, as far as uh, the bank is concerned, but um, he stopped paying the, 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 he stopped sending those checks. And so that's where the suit comes from. Okay. And the Supreme Court is eventually going to rule that uh, states uh, do not have any kind of power over federal institutions, federal rules, policies, whatever. Okay. It's kind of the, the, uh, the supremacy clause to an extent here where the federal government is supreme over states. Okay. And Maryland had no right, no ability to tax this federal institution. They are above the states. Okay. Uh, second case is U.S. versus Lopez. Uh, in this case, it dealt with the gun-free school zones and the commerce clause. Okay, so kind of a weird connection there. Uh, Lopez was a high school senior in uh, California or Texas. I never can't remember which one. He brought a gun to school. He got uh, in trouble, and the state, either Texas or California, brought charges against him because of their gun-free school zone laws. Well, the federal government had a gun-free school zone law also, and they came in and they charged him. Well, Lopez says, hey, I'm already facing state charges. Uh, I shouldn't have to face federal charges. So that's where the suit comes from. That's why it's U.S. versus Lopez. The Supreme Court is going to rule in favor of Lopez, and they're going to rule against the federal government here. They're going to say, hey, education is not a commerce thing. Okay, so federal government, you don't have the ability to come and get involved in this case. You don't have the ability to file charges against this kid. So it was left to the states to do that. So U.S. versus Lopez is a case where uh, the, the federal government's powers are kind of taken away and limited by the Commerce Clause versus other cases, part of Atlanta Motel, where the, the federal government gets involved because of the commerce. So just keep that in mind. Engel versus Vital is the prayer and school case. We've gone over this a lot. I think most people have a pretty good uh, grasp of this case. Uh, they were up in New York. They were asked to pray before each class. Um, some parents were upset, so they Filed, filed suit against the, the school system, and the Supreme Court is going to rule in favor of the parents, and they're going to use the Establishment Clause. Okay, The Establishment Clause says two things, remember. It says that you cannot 
um, or excuse me, not you, but the government cannot create a, a religion <clears throat> and that they will not make rules or laws that favor one religion over the other. And that's the Establishment Clause. Uh, and the Supreme Court, <clears throat> from that, they pulled uh, the separation of church and state. So you got to keep those two things separate. And uh, prayer in school, since it's a you know, state-run thing with the government and, and whatnot, it's, uh, you got to keep them separate. So that's why you don't pray in school, is Ingo versus Vital. So First Amendment thing, Establishment Clause. Wisconsin versus Yoder is the other uh, First Amendment freedom of religion thing. And this is free exercise. Free exercise says we can worship how we want to. No one's going to tell you uh, what you can and can't do as far as religion goes. There are some 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 limitations. We'll go over in just a second. Uh, in this case, uh, Yoder was part of the, the Amish religion. Okay. He was, uh, he or she was part of a, a group of Amish and they wanted to pull their kids out of school after eighth grade. But Wisconsin laws and rules limited um, and made it a punishable offense when you could get out of uh, pull your kids out of school. And so they argued, hey, free exercise. Our religion states that we can get our kids out of school and get them to, to do whatever they're, they're wanting to. And it's going to go to the Supreme Court. OK. And the Supreme Court's going to rule in favor of the Amish rule in favor of free exercise and say, yeah, that's part of the religion. They're allowed to worship how they want to. Okay. <clears throat> now there are some limitations on free exercise. You can't do illegal things and say, hey, free exercise. So you can't do drugs. That's the Smith case <clears throat> up in Oregon where they got fired uh, from their drug rehab job because they showed up high. They had uh, done peyote, peyote in one of their um, religious ceremonies. They were Native Americans. And uh, the Supreme Court said, well, you know, that's not free exercise. That's illegal. OK, uh, so you cannot do illegal stuff and say it's free exercise. All right. Next case is another First Amendment case, and it is New York Times versus U.S. Uh, it's also sometimes called the Pentagon Papers case. All right. So the Times and the Post, it kind of got rolled into one there. Um, both wanted to publish a report that they had gotten a hold of from the Pentagon uh, detailing the U.S. military's time history in Vietnam. They wanted to, to post and, and not post, but they wanted to publish these papers. Well, the Nixon administration said, no, you, you can't do that. National security uh, limits what you can post and you can't, that's going to violate national security. Uh, so it's going to go to the court. The Supreme Court's going to get it and they're going to rule in favor of the Times and the Post and they're going to allow them to post at freedom to press. Okay. Uh, now that brings up something called prior restraint. Really the only time the, the federal government can stop up the press from publishing something is if it deals with national security. Okay, uh, and in this case, they said this does not violate national security. Shank versus the U.S. This was a freedom of speech case. Uh, Shank was a part of the Socialist Party, and he was uh, protesting the draft during World War One. Um, he was saying it was violated the Thirteenth Amendment, which was involuntary servitude, and he got arrested for violating the Espionage Act. And he's going to appeal, saying, "Hey, freedom of speech. I can say what I want to." Well, the Supreme Court's going to say, "No, uh, you can't. Not in times of war. Not in times of emergency." So you created a clear and present danger, and so your freedom of speech is limited to what you can say, and the government can decide. Okay, Gideon versus Wainwright. Uh, this is the lawyer case. Gideon was arrested for breaking and entering. Uh, it was a misdemeanor at the time. They did not give lawyers to everybody. Misdemeanor cases being one of those things they did not give you a lawyer for. And so he was uh, arrested, charged, and convicted without a lawyer because he tried to represent himself. Well, he's going to appeal once he's in prison and argue, hey, I should have had a lawyer. And the Supreme Court is going to agree with Gideon. And so now 
no matter what happens, no matter what kind of case it is, you can ask for a lawyer and they'll appoint one to you if you can't afford one. Okay. Uh, along those lines, if you are arrested and they start questioning you, ask for a lawyer and they're supposed to stop. Okay. Uh, now, sometimes they don't, but a good lawyer can probably get it kicked out if they continue to question you after you have asked for a lawyer. And that comes from Escobedo versus Illinois. Next up is Roe versus Wade. Most people know Roe versus Wade and are pretty familiar with it. Most people, though, say abortion. And that's what they're that's the extent of their knowledge. Remember, though, uh, Roe wanted an abortion. It was against Texas law. So that's where the suit's going to come from. And the Supreme Court is not going to necessarily say, hey, abortions are illegal. They're going to say that women have a right to privacy and they can do what they want to, uh, you know, to an extent there with that. They pull that from the Fourth Amendment, the unlawful search and seizure stuff. OK, so Roe versus Wade, if you see it, you might see the answer come out as a privacy thing. So just keep that in mind uh, on this. Or if you're having to write about it, remember, you're going to want to talk about a women's women's right to privacy. All right. McDonald versus Chicago is a Second Amendment thing and a selective incorporation thing. All right. So the, the, the gun rights, uh, basically, Chicago and some states and other cities had some really strict gun control laws in place where it's tough to buy a gun, tough to own a gun and all those, the, all those sorts of things. And they were basically saying, hey, the, the Bill of Rights, the Second Amendment doesn't apply to us because we're a city because we're a state. Uh, but remember, Gitlow versus New York created a selective incorporation where the Bill of Rights does apply to the cities and states. And so after D.C. versus Heller, where Washington, D.C. strict gun laws were kind of struck down, uh, the, this case is going to come around and they're going to apply the same kind of logic here. Hey, the Bill of Rights applies to you, city, uh, and you have to, to reduce your, your gun restrictions. So the Second Amendment, you have to enforce it. OK, uh, Brown versus Board of Education. Uh, this case you've gotten. So many times now, uh, hopefully you're familiar with it. Don't get it confused with Plessy versus Ferguson. Plessy versus Ferguson created separate but equal. Brown versus Board of Education got rid of separate but equal. Okay, and they uh, integrated the schools after Brown versus Board of Education. So uh, that's what that case is. Um, uh, once again, you get it so many times. Most people have a pretty good understanding of it. If you don't, please get a hold of me and let's talk about it. All right, Citizens United versus FEC. Uh, Citizens United was an interest group <clears throat> or a form of one, and they were wanting to, or they did create a movie called Hillary, the movie, and it was about her as a candidate, and, you know, how bad of a candidate she was and things like that. Uh, it did not paint her in a very good picture. Uh, anyways, they took money from corporations and some other, other groups, and they're going to get shut down because of that. And the argument becomes, well, hey, free speech, okay? Uh, corporations should be able to donate money and it'd be spent how they want to. The FEC is going to say, no, they don't have that. OK, the Supreme Court is going to rule in favor of Citizens United and they're going to rule in favor of corporations. They're going to say that corporations are individuals and they have a right to freedom of speech and they donate the money and get spent how they want to. So if you see a Citizens United case, it deals with a lot of times it pops up in campaign finance stuff. But the bottom line is it's freedom of speech. OK, and corporations have that individual voice and can spend the money how they want to. The next two cases, Baker versus Carr and Shaw versus Reno versus both deal with gerrymandering. Uh, Baker versus Carr happened back in 1961. Prior to this, the courts had always kind of stayed out of gerrymandering cases. They had stayed out of these redistricting cases because they said that's a political issue. And the courts are supposed to stay out of uh, political issues. This is why the court did not rule, you know, come to decision uh, back when the budget was in question back in January of this year. Um, you know, because that's a political issue, a political question, and they're not going to get involved. So they had said the same thing about these redistricted lines 
uh, up to this point. Well, Baker versus Carr happens in 1961, and the Supreme Court is going to kind of reverse their decision, and they're going to say that, yes, we can take a look at um, <clears throat> these, these uh, redistricted lines that may be unfair. Okay, uh, We want every person's vote to count, and that was the, the argument. So now they can make decisions on redistricted lines. So if Georgia gains people, like I'm thinking they might in 2020, and our lines get drawn crazily, someone could challenge them and the court could say, yeah, that's a bad line. Okay. Shaw versus Reno deals with kind of the same thing, uh, but it deals with drawing line lines along racial lines. So trying to separate uh, specific groups of voters. Uh, you can't put uh, try and put all black voters in one area, all Hispanic voters in another, or separate them however you want. You can't draw these congressional districts around racial boundaries, around racial lines. And if it's if the courts decide that they you've done that, uh, they can force a redraw. All right. Last case is Marbury versus Madison, a case you've gotten several times, both in U.S. history, probably prior to, to your 11th grade year, you've heard about Marbury versus Madison. Uh, this is the midnight judge case. Marbury was supposed to be a federal judge. John Adams was signing them into um Signing their paperwork as he was leaving office the night before. You know, that's why it's called the Midnight Judges. Uh, well, Thomas Jefferson is the president uh, that's taken office, and he tells his secretary of state, James Madison, hey, do not deliver that paperwork. And so that's where this case comes from. And the court is going to get the case, and they're going to decide uh, that, hey, that whole Judiciary Act of 17-something, 87, 89, I can't remember the year, uh, is bad. And it's unconstitutional, and we're going to blow this whole thing up. And so that created judicial review, uh, where the court can declare stuff as unconstitutional. Okay. Uh, now there are some limitations to judicial review. Remember, they don't review every single law; they only do things that are challenged. Okay. So if it doesn't get challenged, then the courts does not get to look at it and declare it unconstitutional. Um, they also have nothing to do with the amendment process. So if an amendment happens, it's part of the Constitution. They cannot declare part of the Constitution as unconstitutional. Okay. All right. So those are the 15 cases. Once again, there's a really good document on E-Class under your content, under the AP exam review section. Uh, I think it says 15 required cases. Uh, it goes into much more detail uh, about these things. So if, you, if you're not clear on some of this stuff or if I didn't talk enough about something, then go take a look at that and look at the cases. You're going to have to be able to pull from your own memory about these 15 cases. OK, uh, so be sure you have a, a good grasp of these things so that you can write about them and you can answer multiple choice questions about them. All right. Uh, good luck on the exam. Please contact me through Remind, text, email, whatever you need to. Uh, to uh, ask me questions if you need to. All right. Thanks for listening. Take care.